you know, you, you never want time to go away. It's such a precious gift, but I, I must admit that I'm very excited about 2021 and having the time next year to really talk about what it means to be a person who's thriving. You know, our world is, is absolutely chaotic. It's corrupt. There is so much that is lacking within it, and it's changing. I mean, the world we're in right now is not the world we'll be in in 12 months. And really, in the next few months, things are going to continue to change. But here's the good news for everyone who is a disciple of Jesus Christ. No matter what is happening in the world, we have the capacity to be a people who are thriving. And we're going to learn what that means next year. We're going to learn how it is that we can be a people who are thriving. But we have two, two weeks left in this year. And so uh, this morning, we're going to finish, uh, not really finish, we're going to continue in this, this whole series of seeing the light. Because, you know, the light has come. And what we're going to see in our text today, it's very important, that the light liberates. The light gives us freedom. I don't know if you saw pictures of it or not, or how it touched you or stirred your heart in any way, but seeing people, uh, specifically the medical professionals and, and then uh, uh, political leaders get that vaccine uh, for the, the virus encouraged my heart this week. It, it made me happy because I know what comes with this vaccine, liberty, freedom. We can hug each other again. We can high five. We can handshake. We can sing without masks. We can stand around after service for hours talking about nothing because we want to. Do whatever we want. Freedom is coming. And, and I'm excited about, about it. Praise God. Yes. But some say, we don't know the side effects. I get it. And for 5%, there's a chance it may not be. I, I get it. But when I think about this vaccine, it makes me think of Jesus who is the ultimate vaccine for sin. And I guarantee you, we want that. We want that vaccine and the side effects are terrific. And it's 100% effective for everybody who takes them. It's, it's a win-win. And, and with Christ comes unbelievable freedom. There is a liberty that this light of the world has brought into, into our lives and into our world. I mean, we, first of all, we have the freedom from the punishment of sin. We, we no longer have to fear hell. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our punishment. All our sin, all our guilt and shame was placed on him. So when he died, our sin debt was paid and died with him, descended into hell. It is now gone. Now all of us who believe, we receive the benefit of his death. But death couldn't hold him, could it? Oh no, on the third day he was raised. And so not only do we have the freedom from the punishment of sin, we have the freedom from the power of sin. And so now the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us so that we can live in obedience to his word and his law of love, which is liberating. What Jesus has done, this, this light that has come has brought freedom. It is a liberating light. And our text today shows us what it looks like to be liberated by Jesus. So if you've, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to the Gospel of John. We're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 3. John chapter 3, and we're going to be in verses 18 through 21. So again, John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. John 3, 18. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of, of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, 
The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. If you would, be seated and pray now for the preaching of God's word. It's important to understand where these words of Jesus come from. Uh, There are uh, many who have taught this and done an excellent job of describing, explaining the meaning of the words and these phrases and and the theological truths that they impart to us. But we need to also understand how these words were being given. These words were being given in a conversation. Go back and look at the beginning of the chapter. Look at John chapter 3 verse 1. And let's understand that, that these words that were delivered by Jesus, this was not in a sermon. This was in a conversation. Jesus was talking to, <laughs> excuse me, a religious leader. He was talking to a Pharisee by the name of Nicodemus. And they were having a very important conversation Because Nicodemus came to Jesus by night and said to him, Jesus, we know you're from God because you're doing all these miracles. And Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something, boy. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus did not get that. The metaphor was, you know, over his head. And so Jesus said, okay, I gave him another illustration that goes back to Numbers 21, where he said, remember when Moses lift up? That, that bronze serpent. And everyone who looked to that serpent was saved. They were saved from the, from the asper that had bitten them and they didn't die. And, and the conversation went on, but if you look in your Bibles, there is a strange separation. And I get why it's there. After verse 15, there's, for most Bibles, there's a space. And the reason for that is because John 3.16 is probably the most famous scripture in all of the world. But there, there need not be, it doesn't need to be there. Because this is an ongoing conversation. It's not as though Jesus stopped talking to Nicodemus and started having a conversation or saying something. This is a part of the conversation that Jesus was having with Nicodemus. And so verses 1 through 17, I invite you to go back and read that and, and notice, man, Jesus is laying down some hardcore truth and Nicodemus could not pick it up. He couldn't get it. Now, the good news is it's apparent that Nicodemus at some point did repent and believe the gospel. After the death of Jesus Christ, Nicodemus was there. And Nicodemus was a, was a part of those who, who put Jesus in a borrowed a tomb. And so we, we know that there was faith there at some point. But as of this day, there, there was not. And what Jesus is talking to uh, the Nicodemus about, what we need to hear in on this conversation, is the fact that there are two kinds of of, of experiences in this world. And everybody in this room, everyone listening, is having one of these two experiences. One of them is a living experience, and one of them is a dying experience. Let me explain. There are some of us who believe, and we are living in the light of Jesus, enjoying his freedom. And if that's not you, you're dying. You're dying in the darkness of sin. You're dying in darkness because you're lost and you're in bondage. Now, if you're living in the light, you're always going to be battling darkness. It's just a part of living in a broken world. And if you're living in darkness while you're here, so long as your heart is open, and we'll talk about whether or not that's true for you or not in just a moment, the light is is constantly 
battering you, at least for a while. But in the end, it's very important to note, everyone who's living in the light will one day be completely done with darkness. And everyone who is dying in the darkness will ultimately be excluded from the light forever. Friends, are you living or are you dying? You're doing one of the, one of the two. There's no, there's no escaping that. The question is, what do you want to do? And I want to encourage you to be real honest with yourself today. To be real honest about where you are, if you're really liberated by the light or not. You know, in September of 1862, uh, Abraham Lincoln made the Emancipation Proclamation. And here's what it said. That on the first day of January in the year of our Lord, 1,863, all persons held as slaves within any state or designated part of a state, the people whereof shall then be in rebellion against the United States shall be then thenceforward and forever free. And so absolutely in January of 1863, 3.5 million Africans who were Americans were proclaimed free. They were later made free by the victory in the Civil War, which gave them this unbelievable opportunity and ability to, to choose how they would live, where they would live. But you know, that news had not traveled all the way there until June 19, 1865. There were people who were proclaimed free, but who were not aware that they had been made free. They didn't know what freedom was. They didn't know the freedom they could have because the evil slave owners didn't want them to know. And so they kept that light, kept that truth from getting there. And even after it got there, those evil, evil slaveholders convinced many of those former slaves to remain as slaves. Basically said, you know what? You don't want to go out in that, that, that world. You want to stay as a slave to me. You don't want to go out in that scary freedom. That freedom is a dangerous thing. You need to stay safe and, and, and uh, under the bondage that I have brought to your life. You know, there are many, many Christians who are not living in freedom. Deceived. And there are many in this world who, church-going people, people who have lived in this country, they've even maybe heard Christmas songs and they hear uh, the, the story of, of Jesus in the songs, but they don't know what it means. They don't know what this freedom means, what it is that God alone has brought. You know, when Jesus was baptized, one of the first things he did, he went back to his hometown after doing a little ministry and he preached his first sermon from Luke chapter four, verses 18. It said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That was his first sermon back in his hometown. And his hometown didn't like it one bit and they tried to kill him because they knew what he was saying is that he was God. And that as God, he was coming to set people free. But you know what? They couldn't stop Jesus because you can't stop God. And he fulfilled this prophecy. He fulfilled, fulfilled that, that promise, that sermon. And, and Jesus now, as the light of the world, he liberates us. But many, many don't know this liberty. They do not know this amazing love and what it is God has come to do. Galatians 5.1, don't ever forget this. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Our text today, it shows us what it, what it means to be free. 
how it is we have this freedom and how the light liberates us. I want to encourage you to take note of these three three things. The first one is this. The light liberates us from the condemnation of guilt. From the condemnation. Verse 18, look what it says there. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. Now that doesn't mean that they're not sinners. We've all sinned. Romans 3.23 is very obvious. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And to some extent, we feel the weight of the guilt that comes with that sin that condemns. Some of us do. Some are suppressing their guilt. And that may be you right now. And I just want to encourage you to be real honest with yourself about where you are and what you believe and why you believe it. And and, and I want to warn you just a little bit if you're dying in the darkness today or if you're living in the light but you're refusing to live in the full freedom that Christ gives, why you're doing that and what's happening inside of you. What you're doing if you're living, dying in the darkness and you're not living in the freedom as a child of light, you're suppressing the truth. What you're doing is you're calling God a liar. You're calling me a liar and you're calling the word of God not true. Look what it says in Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Here's what you do. If you're living, or dying rather, in the darkness, what you do is you convince yourself that you're okay. You convince yourself that I'm a liar, that the Bible's not true, and that you're fine, and that you're really not that bad, and that everything's going to be okay. And what you do is you suppress the truth. You tell yourself what you want to believe, and you find as many sources of information that will affirm what you want to believe, and you suppress the truth. You push the truth out of your life. Friends, God doesn't want us to be deceived. God wants us to be honest. And I would encourage you today to be very honest about what you believe. Do you love the light? Do you you have the freedom of the light, free from condemnation? See, there's good news. Even though we're sinners, the the good news is this, Romans 6, 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Jesus has come and he has brought truth and he is the giver of eternal life. See, in Jesus, there's truth. And here's the truth. God is holy and we're not. And we don't like that. We don't like having this feeling that that we are not right because we want to be right. There's a a natural inclination. And if, if we have to call God a liar and ourselves right, we will it's, it's such a strong urge in our own hearts to be right. And if we love the way we're living and we don't want to be changed and we don't want to have to deal with the inconveniences of truth, we'll just suppress that truth. But that's not what God wants us to do. No, no, Jesus has come and what he wants to do is he wants to give truth. In Jesus, there is truth. And the truth is God is holy and we're not, but there's grace. There's grace. In Jesus, there's grace. God loves us. God has died for our sin. God has defeated death through his resurrection. There is a life that we can live by his power. And there's in that life 
freedom. In Jesus, there's freedom. We now have this, this joy in our hearts because we know God and he, he, uh, he welcomes us into his life and his family. You know, in Luke 15, one of my favorite teachings and parables of Jesus, it's about a little boy who leaves his dad, basically says, I wish you were dead. I don't want you to tell me how to live anymore. And so he goes and he squanders his life and has a moment where he comes to himself and thinks, I should go back home and I'll just be a slave. I know I can't be in the family anymore, but I mean, there's, at least there's, there's some level of comfort there. And he goes home and to his amazement, the father welcomes him in and says, you're not going to be a slave. You're going to be my son because you are my son and you have a place here and I love you and you're now here and you're free and I've provided everything for you to have your life and my life and my life and yours. And now there's true living. And that's what God offers to us. If we're living in the light, there is a freedom. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Friends, there has to be a moment when you decide, I believe. And that moment of belief is preceded by a moment of repentance where we say, I'm not going to trust in me anymore. I'm not going to depend on what I can do or what I can earn or what I can find to, to fulfill my life. No, no, no. I turn away from that because that's, that's brokenness. We, we look at the three circles all the time and God's design is harmony with God, but sin has created brokenness. And so long as we're going to live in that sin and there's brokenness, that we're in the darkness. But Jesus said, look, come home, come home. Repent of, of that life and that, and that pigsty and that sin and that darkness and believe in the light. Come into the light. Be forgiven in the light. Get, get new life in the light so that you can pursue and recover God's design and live for what you were called to, made to live for. And it's then that Romans 8.1 becomes true for you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The light liberates us from the condemnation of guilt. In Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And more than that, the, the light does more than that. Uh, take note, the light liberates us from the shadows, the shadows that conceal. Friends, we are so easily deceived. There are shadows in our world that would conceal from us the truth of, of what God has done, of what God is doing. God is calling us to this light. I love 1 Peter 2, 9, the way the light is described in particular. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you. Look at this. Out of darkness into his marvelous light. Friends, living in the light is marvelous. Dying in the darkness is misery. Christ invites you to come and live, to live in his marvelous light. And the only way you can do that is by faith in Christ. See, when we know Jesus, we love him. And that love compels us to obey him. And that's where the blessed life begins. That's where the blessed life happens. That's where living in the light is truly living, where you've been set free. There's an axiom. You've heard me use this for years now. To know Jesus is to love Jesus. And to love Jesus is to obey Jesus. It's in that obedience that you're living out your liberty. It's, it's in the love of God in Christ Jesus having come to know who he is and what he's done, 
that you're overwhelmed. And in this overwhelmed love, you can't help but obey and trust him. But those who are trapped in darkness, those who are dying in darkness, you're, you're in trouble. You're in trouble because the text says that you're condemned. And it says in the verse, look at this, verse 19, and this is the judgment. God is a judge and he's holy and he's exact and he's perfect. He doesn't miss a thing and he knows that we've sinned and there is, there is a penalty for sin and as the righteous judge, he will bring it. Not only, not only those of you who are dying in darkness today, not, not only are you, are you condemned, but you love something awful. You love darkness. And again, I just want you to be real honest with yourself. Because I know it'd be really, I don't love darkness. I mean, I just, I just have a few, you know, issues. You know, I have, a, you know, an addiction here or there. I've got, yeah, I mean, my computer, I don't want anybody to do any background work on it. But I mean, it's fine. I mean, I'm not, I'm not as bad as, and, and you fill in the blank. Friends, Jesus is a holy, righteous judge. You don't have to, you don't have to play games with him. He's not playing games with you. You're in trouble because he is a righteous judge that brings condemnation and you're in trouble because you love darkness. Look what it says. And people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. It's not just that you live in sin. I want you to hear me real careful on this. If you're dying in darkness, it's, it's not just because you live in sin. It's because you love sin. You love what is dirty. You love what is contrary to the will and work of God. And you're in trouble because God is just and you're condemned and you love darkness. You know, that axiom to know Jesus is to love Jesus and to love Jesus is to obey Jesus. There's an opposite way of saying that. And that is this, to, know Je- to not know Jesus is to love sin. And to love sin is to do and be evil. And to live that way, to live in sin, you, you have to deceive yourself. You, you, have to, you have to suppress. You have to live a deceived life. Look at verse 20. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. You want to be happily lost. You want to be happily condemned. You want to go on your happy way pretending that you're fine, hating the, the, the love of God and wanting to, to remain in darkness. You know, when I was a junior at Belmont University, um, I was taking a worthless class, psychology of religion. Um, it's the kind of stuff I took at Belmont. It's ridiculous. Um, but I remember being in the class and sitting down looking over and seeing an old friend I hadn't seen in years. And he sat down and I, I, I was just so happy to see him. And I couldn't wait to catch up with him. I hadn't seen him for several years. We met at Fellowship of Christian Athletes. We were at a leadership camp together. We had spoken at different events together. And I was so happy he was in there. And I was happy because this class was the biggest waste of time because the, here's the philosoph- philosophical foundation of the class. And, the, and it was in the syllabus. All religions are the same, which is a lie. And they need to, everyone needs to be told, all religious leaders need to tell people that they're okay 
and that the world's okay and it's going to be okay. Now, there are so many lies in that that I'm not even going to start, but that was the premise of the class. And I remember the professor saying the premise of the class, and I saw my friend's hand go up, and I was like, all right, here we go. Here comes a lecture, and it's going to be good. I'm going to start taking notes on this. And I was so disappointed because my friend said, that's exactly right. And he went on to admit that he was living in gross sin. And that he had chosen that university and that class in particular because he wanted to be reminded that he is okay. And that whatever he wants to do is okay. And if anyone tells him anything contrary, they're not okay. After class, I had to tell him he ain't okay. (laughs) And that wasn't okay with him. He said, don't ever speak to me again. And I didn't, and I haven't. And here's why. Because he loved darkness and he hated light. He did not want his life exposed by any truth that I would bring to him. He didn't want to hear what the Bible said. He didn't want to be reminded, as I did, of the confession of Christ that he had made, of the way he had preached the gospel, the way he had won people to Christ. He didn't want to hear about any of that. He, he, that's the last thing he wanted to hear. He, he, he just said, get out. And I want to tell you, it scared me. Because this guy was a whole lot smarter than me. And he had a much better Christian heritage than I did being raised in the church the way he was. So I immediately went to a group of friends of mine and I said, guys, you got to hold me accountable because if this guy can be deceived, I can easily be deceived. And friends, I've been saying to you for months now, please, men, get with three or four other men. Ladies, get with three or four other ladies. Men with men, ladies with ladies and reveal the light to each other. Talk about who God is. Talk about the light. Shine the light on each other. And if you don't like the light, you need to acknowledge that. If you're not open to to just saying, yes, show me. Show me what is true. Show me light. If you don't want to talk about it, what does that mean? What does it mean that you don't want to talk about the light, the truth, the love of God and his will for you? Friends, if, 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 if you're going to make it, and I want to make it, we're going to need each other. And, and I, I cannot, I, I'm, I'm, I want to just, again, men with men, women with women, three to four people, you need to get together every week and you need to talk about the light and you need to expose each other to the light. And when that happens, there's something, something that happens. The, the, <laughs> the light liberates. It frees us from the shadows that conceal because we're so easily conceived. And, and, and once the light does, it work, does its work in us, once Jesus is liberating us, it shows up in our lifestyle. Here's the third thing I would encourage you to note. The light liberates us to display the glory of God. We become the display, the light display. Isn't it fun to, to go, go around and see the lights? I, I know a lot of you have been in Opryland. I love you, the pictures that you're posting of these beautiful lights. We were laughing because remember years ago, we took Asher, we took Asher down there and uh, Kinsey was videoing. She put it over the, the, the recording over to him. She said, Asher, what do you think about these lights? And he looked and said, they overdid it. <laughs> Listen, God has not overdone it. You can't overdo the lights. The light is good. And when that light is there, it, it, it transforms you. 
It gives you hope and you become the display. You become the light display to the rest of the world. These liberated lives, it, you know what it does for us? When we're living in the light, it gives us assurance of salvation. When we're living in the light, we're able to say, this is God's work in my life because my natural inclination is to sin. But, but because of Jesus and because of what I'm knowing and learning about him, I love him and I can't, I can't help but obey him because of this love. And that is proof that we are saved. It grows our assurance of salvation and then others are able to enjoy it. Others are, are able to benefit it so long as we admit to them why we are different. Why there's light. See, when I was coming to faith, one of the things I was absolutely convinced of was that I could never be a Christian because I was a horrible person. And it was so great to get around some people that said, oh, no, it's not that you're just a horrible person. We're all horrible people. The good news is where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. As a matter of fact, God is so powerful that he can even save someone as horrible as you. That's the kind of friends you need in the world right there. And you know what? I believe that. And, and you know, the, the change that has happened in my life, I always want to tell people why. I can assure you it's not because I'm smart or because I, I have this, this, this unbelievable self-discipline ability. No, it, it's because of what God has done. It's because of who God is. It's like a friend of mine, he, he lost all this weight. And I was like, how did you do it? And, and here's the secret, by the way, I think it's, 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 it's pretty good. He said, look, you only eat between 12 p.m. and 6 p.m., period. It's like, anything? He said, pretty much. And I did it. I mean, I lost some weight. I mean, imagine if I didn't eat M&Ms. But if eating M&Ms is wrong, I don't want to be right, if you know what I'm saying. But I'm so glad when I asked him, how did you do this? He didn't say, well, I'm awesome. I mean, I am the most disciplined, unbelievably talented person on the planet. I'm so glad he didn't say that. I'm so glad he said, man, I'm like you and I will eat anything and everything. And by limiting myself to this time, I've gotten, uh, I've gotten healthier. You know what I, I love about being a Christian is I'm able to say, you know what? I am who I am by the grace of God. Thank God. I, I, I'm, I'm not what I could be, but praise be to Lord, I'm not what I once was. Praise God, give him praise, I can promise you. That, that's him. And guys, here's what we gotta do. We gotta tell people, look, it's because of the light. It's because of Jesus. It's because of what he's doing. And he's changing my life and he can change your life. And, and as we walk in this light, we get an assurance of our salvation. Other people get a glimpse of the goodness of God. And then the Lord is praised. God receives the praise because the work is in. Well, look at the last, look at verse 21. Look at the very last prepositional phrase of the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. It's very important. Speaking of the person, uh, theoretical man who has come into the light, but whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Not in his strength and discipline, not in his, you know, unbelievable intelligence and compassion. In God. Friends, the light is found in God. The light 
is God. Jesus is the light. And the light has come to liberate. Now, my question again, are you living in the light or are you dying in the darkness? Are you living in the light in the freedom of his love? Are you dying in the darkness and the bondage of sin? Let's pray. Father, I pray that that question stirs hearts. Lord God, I know that there are some who've hardened their hearts for so long that they've become completely indifferent to this reality. Holy Spirit, do a miracle and allow them to see and to know the truth. Father God, I pray that even right now you would save them. And if you want to be saved, just right there, head bow, eyes closed. God hears your heart. Tell them the truth. Tell them you've sinned. Tell them that Jesus died for your sins and you believe that. And that you believe Jesus has been raised. And ask him to live in you and to forgive you. And if you've done that, tell someone so you can be baptized next week. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters here, some who are battling the darkness, others who are succumbing. This morning, if you're, if you're losing the fight to the darkness, ask God to strengthen you right now. And commit to finding, if you're a woman, other women, three to four, if you're a man, other men, three to four, who you can talk to, who will expose you to the light and hold you accountable and encourage you in the light. Father God, I pray that, that we will stop living in isolation, but instead find that three to four that three to four group of friends, women with women, men with men, that can be light together. Finally, friends, I would ask you right now, just in your heart, in your mind, think of one person that you're concerned about that you, you believe is probably dying in the darkness, bound by sin, and pray that they would be saved. Pray that the light would liberate them. Now ask God to enable you to help them. You are a good and great and mighty God. And your love knows no bounds. And your grace transforms. The light has come. Lord God, help us to see the light and be liberated to live in the light as you are in the light. And make us to be a display, a light display in our world. To your glory, God, and to our benefit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.